Welcome to the World of Wishes. Our guest on today's episode is our chapter's president and CEO, Norm Wedderburn. Norm will discuss his personal background, the state of the chapter, why he's so passionate about granting wishes, the very exciting Finker Frankel Wish House project in Miami, and the future of the chapter. Norm, welcome to the podcast. Really happy to be here. Yeah, uh, I can't think of a better first guest than uh, than Norm. And so, Norm, um, tell us a little bit about your background. You know, where you, how you got here. I know you have a you have a pretty extensive history with Make Wishes. Just tell us about about you and and your background and and how we got into this uh, to this day. Yeah, well, you know, when I was in college, uh, I started to get involved with different charities and really found that I enjoyed my time volunteering. And the area that I found that I was most uh, got most joy out of was when I was doing things with children. So after I graduated law school, I really put it out there to anybody who would listen to me that I wanted to find the right fit, an organization that I could volunteer at and lend my time, my talents, and maybe a little bit of my treasure at that point. And I got uh, a colleague of mine uh, introduced me to Make-A-Wish. I became a volunteer and then a board member, and uh, the board elected me board chair for the 2002-2003 year. And so I was moving along, had my own law firm. You know, life was great, and uh, unfortunately, our predecessor at the chapter got sick during my tenure as board uh, as board chair, and uh, unfortunately, she passed away a couple of years later. And that's when the board approached me and said, Norm, would you consider giving up your law practice to come run the foundation? And 17 years later, I'm here doing it still and loving every day. That must be an incredible thing to turn a passion into something that you get to do every day. And we'll get, we'll get into the, the lives that we're able to touch and affect, but that must be great to turn a passion into something that you can do on a regular basis. It is, and I, you know, I tell my friends and family and anybody, uh, you know, that it's it's so strange because I get to I jump out of bed every day, you know, and I go in and sure you have your challenges from time to time, but at the end of the day, like I do something that is so passionate to me and so much, uh, it just gives me so much joy that it doesn't really feel. I never use the term my job. <laughs> it's something you uh, that you get to do rather than have to do. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about where we where we stand as a chapter. You know, we've we've there have been a couple of interesting years uh, in our recent past, but where do we stand right now as a, as a chapter and and sort of the you know the current state and then what's what's to come in our near future? You know, we're very fortunate as a chapter to have the support of so many different aspects. I mean, we have a great volunteer base. We have hundreds of volunteers who give up their time to go in and meet with children and meet with families to determine wishes, help us at our events. We have this incredible staff with a lot of folks who've been a part of the organization in double-digit years. So there's a lot of veteran leadership on our staff. And then we also have that youthful energy of those folks coming out of college who want to get involved in philanthropy and work here. So our staff is a very strong staff. Our board of directors is absolutely amazing. I would match our board of directors up against any board of directors in the country at any not-for-profit, not just a -a Make-A-Wish. Their passion, their dedication, uh, their commitment to Make-A-Wish 
is is just second to none. Um, and then we have, we're fortunate to have an incredible community that supports us financially. So while the last few years have been rough, everybody's gone through the challenges of COVID and having to pivot and change and repivot and all of those things, you know, we have come out of it a stronger organization. And I think that challenges should do that to you. You should learn when you go through a challenge uh, and, and if you, if you can learn from that, you come out of it better and stronger. I know that on a personal level, I believe I'm a better CEO today than I was in March of 2020. And our organization is stronger today than it was then. We have some wishes to catch up on because we had to put someone whole. But fortunately, we have the resources, both human and economic, to get them done. What would you say was the biggest challenge that, uh, that the chapter faced in that you know, two-year window, you know, that, that everybody is facing challenges, but challenges that were sort of unique to Make-A-Wish? There were a number of challenges that were unique to us, but at the end, I think the biggest one was the emotional drain of not being able to do our mission at the level and the consistency that this chapter was used to. We're a chapter that was granting 600 plus wishes a year, and you know we dropped down to 300 to 400 wishes a year. And making those calls to the families and telling them you know, that the wish is on hold, and not being able to give a clear date when we could resume uh, travel for safety reasons, that was very emotionally draining on our staff. And as a leader, finding a way to keep everybody understanding that this too shall pass. We will be okay. These kids will get their wishes. We did the rush wishes and the wishes that had to be done. Uh, we've got exemptions to the restrictions to be able to do it. But I think the biggest challenge is that we were dealing with not only our wish families that are going through a very difficult time, but our staff, our volunteers, our board members. You know, it was, uh, it, you know, there were a lot of different constituents that were going through challenges, and at the same time, we're asking them to give us as much as the, of themselves as they could. But with those challenges come opportunities, and uh, we, you know, had a lot of opportunities to to grow as an organization, to understand some of our roots and and some other things. So you talk about the opportunities that a challenge like that creates. There are so many opportunities that uh, challenges create because it forces you to be innovative and even more innovative than you previously were. So I think of ourselves as, as always being innovative, and yet I never had to navigate through remote uh, uh, staffing, remote uh, uh, family interviews, remote celebrity wishes, which at the first when they said we're going to do our celebrity wishes via Zoom, it felt like, oh gosh, the child's going to get less of an experience. And yet what we learned is many of those wishes turned out to be even better, much better than when they were in person. They got a longer period of time. Uh, just the whole, it turned out to be completely different than what we thought. So we constantly learned different things that we will apply post-COVID, and we are applying post-COVID to make us uh, an even better and more efficient organization. Thinking about your your uh, tenure with the organization prior to the staff and being on the board, what's the thing that you're most proud of in your affiliation with Make-A-Wish? The, the thing that, that uh, well, you know, when somebody says, you know, tell me about, about your Make-A-Wish tenure, but you, you only have one answer, you know, t- tell me about the thing you're most proud of. You know, it, it's our consistency of greatness. 
You know, it really is. I mean, there are 59 other Make-A-Wish chapters in the country, and they get up every day, and they're trying to do amazing work. But they go through peaks and valleys, uh, all of them. And to be completely honest, I just don't have any recollection here of that. Uh, yes, we've had our challenges, but we have never in our history turned away or delayed a wish because we didn't have the financial or human resources to do it. Think about that. We're 40-something years. I've been involved 25 years, and not one single wish has ever been turned away because we did not have the financial resources or the human resources. Not one single wish has been delayed for either of those reasons. So I think it's the sustainability of greatness that I'm most proud of, and quite frankly, it's the thing that motivates me to continue that. When you, you don't want to slip at all when you've enjoyed uh, seeing the organization you care so much about have that kind of history. And there are a lot of great people behind that financial push, behind that history of financial giving and putting us in a sustainability. Can you talk about you know the, those folks, those generous folks that part with their treasure? Uh, a lot of them have no affiliation with the Wish family at all. Uh, they just see the impact that Wishes have. Can you talk about you know those people and, and why that motivates you? Yeah, you know, Make-A-Wish is a very interesting organization from a support standpoint. A lot of people wouldn't know a few of these type of little facts. One, we do not receive any government funding. You know, so we can't, we don't apply for uh, state, local, or federal grants and get uh, funding in that way. We have no fees for services. If you think most not-for-profits still have some level of fees for services, it's just that the fees don't cover it, so they have to fill the gap with fundraising. So we have no fees for services, no government uh, funding. So we rely 100% on private donations to be able to uh, uh, fund uh, the mission. Now, the third part of that is that most not-for-profits have a critical mass of people who are directly impacted by the mission of that organization and then that critical mass helps support them and that's not us yes we have wish families and certainly there are many wish families who support us but the overwhelming majority 99 plus percent of the dollars that come in to make a wish come in from people who were not directly impacted in their family by a wish. Again, a very unique factor. And so it's what, you know, I see the good in people on a daily basis, and I see the results that you can have when you have a compelling story and you're willing to tell that story, share that story, that people are looking to be a part of something good. And I think we give them all the reasons in the world to do it. When you uh, pivoting to the wishes, so when you look into our talk to look into the eyes of a wish dad or a mom or somebody is surrounding a wish child, or ask them their story, what's the what's the thing that that just grabs you? What's the thing that helps motivate you to continue to do this? You know, to to do this thing to impact their lives. It's a very interesting question because when you are around a wish family. You see the wish child, and you know that you're doing something so incredibly special for the wish child. But then you see the wish family, and you see the parents. And in a strange way, a lot of our children, they have, they've lived a good part of their life being sick, of having a critical illness. 
But that's not what the parents thought when they got that great news that they were going to have a child. You know, they're excited. And, and for our parents and for our family members, the idea that it, uh, their sibling or their son or their daughter has a critical illness is just terrifying. It's horrible. And then we come in and we're able to do something for them. And I can't tell you the amount of times that the parents have told me um, and thanked me for changing the trajectory that their family was on. And, I, and something that people would not think about us, but so many parents have told me that they think Make-A-Wish saved their marriage. That because uh, the family went away, 75% or so of our wishes involved travel, uh, and got to be a family again, husbands acting like husbands, wives acting like wives, and mothers and, and fathers instead of trying to be pseudo-doctors, uh, you know, the whole family unit that we saved, the, we changed the trajectory, and in many cases saved marriages. Uh, it's, it is amazing impact that when you, when you go back and look at the numbers, we've granted 13,000 local wishes here and the, the impact that it's had. And it's just an amazing thing. It's a great movement to be a part of. Speaking of being a part of the movement, let's talk about volunteerism a little bit. You know, you started here as a, started as a volunteer, as a board member, as a wish granter. Um, what is it about, and you've talked to a lot of volunteers, what is it, it about the reward that keeps them coming back? You know, it, when you talk to volunteers, and as one uh, that you know started out in that in that area, when you go out and you give of your time, there's something that ignites within you that makes you feel so much better about who you are and what you're doing. And I used to use this line, and it's true that that Make a Wish and through my volunteerism help bridge the gap between the person I am and the person I want to be. So when we think about, like, who do we want to be as a person, and, and we really, you know, strive for that ideal, uh, you know, I can speak for myself. I certainly fall short of that ideal, but Make-A-Wish helped me get closer to it. And I think in many ways for our volunteers, that's what it does. Like, they, it, it provides them with this source of joy um, and an and, and opportunity to reflect on how really good their lives are compared to the challenges that others have. Um, and it, it, it makes, it puts things in perspective. For anyone that's listening to this podcast that's interested in becoming a volunteer or making a donation, we'll have links in the show notes uh, to how you can become a wish grantor or an event volunteer or some other way of donating your time to the organization. Uh, now, I want to talk about the big project that's on the horizon. That's the Finker Frankel Wish House. Um, you have a huge smile on your face, and, <laughs> and I know what a huge project this is and what a game changer it is for our organization. Um, so can you just, just talk about that project a little bit and, and what it's going to be able to do and why it's a game changer for WISH families? So we're so excited. You know, we started this project a little over seven years ago with just looking into, does it make sense for us to build our own facility and change slightly or at least have another option for our WISH families? You know, currently we determine a child's WISH by going into their home and playing something called the WISH game. Well, not all the time the home is the most creative place. 
a lot of times the home is where so much sickness and pain has taken place. And also, quite frankly, for some people, you know, some strangers coming into their home creates anxiety. And so we thought that we wanted to change that dynamic. And by building this wish house and uh, retaining a former the Disney uh, Imagineer to create the wish component of this wish house, we could invite our children to come there to go through the process of discovering what their number one heartfelt wish would be. And it's just going to be amazing. I mean, the, the facility is absolutely state-of-the-art. Um, our board has so supported this and has made, you know, our board has contributed, you know, more than 50% of the cost of this uh, project out of their own personal pockets to make it happen. So that just gives you an example of how much this means to the organization. But it's going to really be a game changer for us. And it's going to give our wish children the opportunity when they grow up and they get married and have their own children to bring them and show them where the start of the wish actually happened. It's happened right there in that wish house. Now the, uh, the wish house is gonna be a big part of our future. Let's talk about future. Let's talk about where the organization is going. Uh, you know, we're, like we say, we're, uh, we're back to granting wishes and uh, granting wishes at the pace that we're used to. Um, the wish house will be open hopefully at the end of 23. Um, so let's talk about the future beyond that, uh, you know, beyond what the Wish House will be able to, the foundation that will be able to lay, and then what's, what's in our future. Yeah, so, you know, I think that a part of leadership in, uh, is that you, you have to take care of what you need to take care of today, but you have to be constantly thinking about the future. You know, I read uh, an article a number of years ago that said uh, uh, great uh, CEOs plant trees that they won't sit under. And the idea is that you, you should be looking down the road. So while, you know, 15 years down, 10 years, what will we look like? And what what, what moves will we make today that will help us then? Uh, and I think that things like this wish house where we're going to have an established permanency, there's something about owning a home versus renting a home, right? And we're going to own our home. And having that permanency here in Southern Florida and being able to use that to help us raise the resources so that, we not are, that we're not only in a position to grant the wishes of the children that are in the pipeline, but we're in a position to grant the wish of the child who's going to be diagnosed tomorrow uh, and is every bit as deserving as the children that are already in our pipeline. And that's what I think a lot about. And I think that we are really positioning this chapter of Make-A-Wish uh, for sustainability at that level of greatness that I talked about earlier for a very long time. The Wish House is, uh, is a, again, a very exciting project. It's there at the corner of Northwest 6th Street and I-85, and um, it will be an amazing, exciting future home for us. Uh, as we wrap up, uh, Norm, you, a lot of people that are listening to this podcast are supporters of ours that are donors and volunteers and somehow contribute to, to what we do. What would you say to them and is, and is their important role in, in our organization? Yeah, there's two things that I'd say, right? First and foremost, and it, it sounds, you know, hokey, but it's just so true, and that is thank you. I mean, I think it's an incredible thing when somebody sits down, and I'm going to date myself because they do it differently today, but they sit down and actually write a check and sign it. 
or when somebody says, I'm not going to be able to have dinner tonight with my family because I'm going to be working, uh, volunteering for Make-A-Wish and interviewing another family. Um, you know, when those doctors and nurses and child life specialists who are so busy with their jobs take a moment to say, hey, I want to talk to you, talking to the Wish fam the, the family, about this great organization that may be able to grant your child a wish and a life-changing uh, wish. So to all those folks, I want to say thank you to them for what they have done, what they've allowed us to do, and what they're allowing us to continue to do. Thanks, Norm. And thank you for listening to A World of Wishes, produced by Make-Wish Southern Florida. Please help support this podcast by rating, reviewing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcast. To learn more about making wishes come true, visit us at wish.org slash SFLA. <laughs>